Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Need expert advice on your family's health? Speak to us today at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Now, you'll know Armando Iannucci as the creator of great comedy like The Day Today, uh, Alan Partridge, of course, The Thick of It and Veep. And I'm delighted to say that Armando joins me now with his current collaborator, director, writer, comedian and actor Sean Foley. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hello, great to be on it. Yeah. So, guys, you have created a stage version of Dr. Strangelove starring Steve Coogan. Sean, maybe will we start? Will you remind people what the original Dr. Strangelove was? Yeah, well, uh, Dr. Strangelove was and is, because it's still there, a an amazing uh, film comedy. It was shot in black and white, uh, t- created by Stanley Kubrick and famously had Peter Sellers in three of the leading roles. He played completely different people, including Dr. Strangelove, who um, was a guy who was sort of actually quite keen on hastening the end of the world. So it's really, it's a, it's a comedy. It's a, he, Kubrick called it a nightmare comedy. So it's a satire on uh, basically mutual destru- destruction and um, the world of um, nuclear deterrence or not. And it's it's regularly sort of quoted as, you know, one of the very, very greatest film comedies of all time. So, Sean, I suppose the obvious question then is why revive it now? What was it about the world ending in farce that felt freshly relevant these days? Well, I mean, you tell me. I mean, what is relevant about it? I mean, you know, the the war in Ukraine, the war... Um, in Gaza, Palestine, the war uh, wars everywhere. In fact, they're, they're just the two, you know, currently, sadly, on our screens and in our thoughts. But um, I don't think there's ever a time when a film like, a story like, you know, characters like uh, Doctor Strangelove isn't relevant because it's really about, it's a lot about men, actually. It's a lot about how men sort of aggrandise power towards them and uh, are... You know, much more interested in their status than uh, pretty much anything else, including the millions upon millions of people that might die because of their actions. Yeah. And of course, look, Vladimir Putin practically did marketing for you this week. Uh, he decided to come out and actually threaten nuclear war on the West. Armando, yes. do, you, do you find the end of the world is very much back in vogue, isn't it? Because there were, there were a few decades there when, when I was growing up where the world seems yeah. semi-stable, but we're kind of back to a climate of Cold War style anxiety now, are we? Yes, who thought hostility between the Russian president and the West would be so back in fashion? Um, <laughs> it's weird. And and added to it is, you know, the overall ex- existential threat we're all t- grappling with of, uh, of global warming. Um, and so this story, uh, you know, made in the 1960s and about the Cold War seems so oddly relevant again. And, it, and you know, it's about a kind of nuclear catastrophe caused by misunderstanding and caused by people uh, going rogue. Um, it, and it just seems so particularly apt. And, and, of course, Kubrick, when they set out to, to shoot the film, it was going to be a serious film, but then they decided that it was so absurd that the only way to get the story across in any kind of memorable way was to make it as a kind of a farce. And I think that's the appeal for us as well, really. I mean, I've known Sean for decades but we've never actually we've always been meaning to do something together we've never quite and this is the thing Dr. Strange Life is a catalyst that's brought us together because we we both 
feel it such, has such a kind of powerful relevance now and is immensely funny at the same time. Okay, yeah, because I think you should stress the immensely funny as well, because people who've heard the conversation so far who were thinking, maybe I'll go out for dinner on a show, you know, or maybe will I go to The Lion King or will I go to Dr. Strangelove? They might be getting worried that this isn't a thumping good night out with the wife. Oh, it is. It, 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 that you, thanks for reminding us, Brendan. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, the, it's that old thing of like, you know, the, the two best subjects for comedy are sex and death, mm. because they're the taboos and they're the they're the things that you know it 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 just puts the sort of you know you can deal the tension basically that the situation in the show uh generates the tension of you know imminent uh death doesn't sound funny but the way it's treated is hilarious and uh as i say it's the sort of seriousness the mad seriousness with which uh the characters in in the play firstly film now play um, treat their own roles that's really funny. There's a kind of mad sort of sense of office politics at play as well, which, of course, is what Armando's, you know, one of Armando's sort of amazing sort of stock in trades of, you know, that sort of insanity of being in an office <laughs> where people where people feel that, that you know, they're, they're big and, they're, and their ideas should come first. You know, the, 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 there's that, there's... I mean, it's, by the way, it's also going to be a spectacular production in its own right. I'm not going to give too much away, but, you know, the original film uh, has got a B-52 bomber in it. You go to the war room at the Pentagon. You're in an Air Force base. There's a huge attack on an Air Force base. So then, I mean, there's, quite apart from the jokes, there's plenty going on as well. well. What makes the film incredibly funny is, of course, the performance of Peter Sellers in three of the roles as the American president as an RAF officer trying to stop a wayward American general starting a war, and as, as Dr. Strangelove. And, and, and we're kind of blessed with Steve Coogan, who you know I've worked with and Sean has worked with, and, and we know is just one of the most amazing comic performance, not just on screen, but, but live, you know, his amazing stage yeah. shows. Well, it's, so, so obviously Peter Sellers had the, had the benefit of... Uh, time and not having to do it all at the same time. It's going to be much more challenging for Steve Coogan, is it? On stage live? It, it will be. He, he said, we saw him last week, he said he's getting into training now. Um, but the, uh, I mean, the other element is it, it's going to be harder in, in one sense, absolutely for sure. But I think that was one of the reasons that attracted me and us to doing the project is that in fact there are elements within the storytelling that can be even more exciting on stage than they are in screen. Of course, you've got on screen, you're filming, you call cut. Um, Peter Sellers goes off to costume and he changes into the other character. Now, on stage, that's got to happen in a blink of an eye and and it will do. So there's a sort of bravura quality to the evening as well. And sort of seeing, as Amanda says, you know, a completely sensational comic actor of the level of Steve Coogan do that and really nail you know the 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 different characters he's going to play is going to be a particular excitement as well i mean not just for the audience for me (laughs) (laughs) have you seen him do much yet have you had rehearsals or anything no we're a bit away from rehearsals okay very much in the in the preparation time because we're with you in dublin in next february we rehearse in september Open the show in October in uh, London's glittering West End, as we say, and and have our run there, and then 
Um, we should have knocked it into shape, put it this way, by the time we get to Dublin. Sean, this um, is kind of exciting. You have no idea if this is going to work, really, do you? No. Well, you don't. Whenever you make anything. I mean, really? the thing is, we're standing, we're standing on shoulders of giants, though, in the sense that the film is a, is a stone-cold classic. It's so funny. We've got the right people um, around us. You know, not just, may I say, you know, Armando, obviously, and Steve in, in those lead parts, but also, you know, the, the 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 rest of the cast is going to be amazing. And the, you know, the, all the creative people on it are, are really also, top of the game and top people, you know. There's something exciting about doing it. That's the challenge of doing something live, you know, committing to doing something live that you've got to make it work. You know, you've got to, because there's nowhere to run and yeah. nowhere to hide. <laughs> when yeah. I mean, when you get in in the morning, Brendan, you don't know whether your show is going to work that day, do you? But you just go for it. You just go for it because you have the confidence to to um, let the adrenaline take you through it. Yeah, well, it, it has to happen, as you say, doesn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. You see, the thing is, You'd wonder about Steve Coogan. Isn't it fantastic that he's taking on this? Because he's a huge success, very lucrative career and all that kind of thing. He doesn't need to do this, but he's obviously decided, I want to uh, take on this uh, enormous new challenge. Yeah, but he's always about pushing himself outside his comfort zone. And he's always about making sure he does good things. And he's been always been a huge fan of the film. So he, 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 he... He's kind of thought that at the stage he's at now, with the experience he has, not just in television, but as I say, with live uh, shows, that this feels like the right thing to do, you know, for him. He's he's excited at the idea. But but it also, you know, it's slightly terrifying because, you know, of the heritage of the movie, of the, of the fact that this is the very first time the Kubrick family have agreed to any one of Stanley Kubrick's films to be. Uh, adapted for the stage. So there's a lot of responsibility on all of us, which we're kind of relishing in a way. I think it will make sure that we're all working at our maximum uh, strength, really. We want to do it proud. Fantastic. Armando, uh, it's contractually obliged in every interview uh, that people do with you to ask the old chestnut of, like, where's Saturn now that the real world kind of outdoor, the real world now feels like a kind of a satirical film, doesn't it? Well, it's, I mean, it is possibly why we're kind of attracted to things like Dr. Strangelove, because, um, and similarly with my film The Death of Stalin, it, it was like going back to history and, and, and saying, you know, this happened in all its absurdity before. Are we going to let it happen again? Um, I think that's the approach I've been taking, which is standing back and looking at the general picture rather than feeling I have to make jokes about what's happened today. I think politicians make their own jokes now. I mean, Trump is an entertainer. We had Boris Johnson, who was a sort of an entertainer. You know, they, they, they're sort of, I call them self-basting satirists in that, you know, whatever they do publicly it is, is, the, it is their own joke. Yeah, they've left yeah. no room for you to take it that There's step no room, further or you know, anything. And things like the thick of it were about a time when, you know, there were rules and it was all about politicians trying to bend the rules and trying to avoid being shown to have broken them. But if now there are no rules and if... Politician can say, "Well, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if I've been charged with umpteen crimes. I'm still running for president." And, and, and you know, I think the onus is on us, the public, to um, to 
to stop it happening, happening really. Why don't we, do you think? Why don't we? Maybe it's because we, we get, we, we, we're confronted with it every day now that we're, there's almost a, a reality fatigue that, that sets in. You know that 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 things are so absurd that we kind of withdraw. You know the number of people I do it myself who's, who say, "Oh, I can't watch the news tonight. It's it's going to be all that stuff again, isn't it?" Um, you know the temptation to burrow away, and you know in the in the film Doctor Strange Love, um, it, it's very much about reality, about what ha- what what you know ge- you know decisions, political de- decisions have genuine consequences. Um, and I think that's worth reminding ourselves. Okay, yeah. Do you think we've just started to regard it as a sideshow kind of? Well, sometimes people go, you know, I'll, I'll vote this way because you know for a laugh or be interested to see what happens. Oh no, it's the terrifying consequences. That's good to remind us of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we can encourage people to come and watch it for, as an entertainment. That's great. But if they go away also asking themselves questions about, you know, yeah, what is the state of the world today and politically, what are we doing about it? Then that's also splendid. Do you think, Armando, is uh, is the media no delinquent in as well? Because in a way, when you look back on stuff you did, like the day to day, which was, you know, pushing the idea of how news worked to its ridiculous extremes, maybe. And now uh, you look at the you look at the constant news uh, now and the all day news channels and everything, and they actually are beyond the day to day. Yes, I mean we we again we set out to make those as a as a kind of a speculation as to what's the worst that could happen with these shows, uh, and the fact that now people go into the industry seeing them as instruction manuals on what. <laughs> <laughs> rather than <laughs> emergency <laughs> pool cord um, um, policies. I, I, I don't know. It's the same, you know, I hear people going into politics because they, you know, they want to be the next Malcolm Tucker. And, you yeah. know, I, I spent ages saying Malcolm Tucker is the problem. He's not the solution. He's the problem. Yeah. It's it's like you hear science fiction people saying, no, those science fiction stories were meant to be cautionary tales, not, not an instruction manual for tech billionaires, yeah. you know. That's right. It's not aspirational. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it, it should yeah. be. Yeah. So a good, good with Doctor Strange stuff. It's gonna, it's it, it none. It, that's certainly not aspirational. The events in, in Doctor Strange stuff. It's a good, no. solid, hilarious warning. Sean, people mightn't uh, know you and your work as well as they know Armando. So you started out in comedy, but you kind of gradually become quite a mainstream uh, theatre director, haven't you? Uh, I I guess you could say that. Yeah, I, did I, you find that offensive? I'm very sorry. I I'm, <laughs> did you I'm feel that was an insult? The interview now, Brendan. That's <laughs> it. Oh, uh, yeah, no, no, that's basically it in a nutshell. In fact, I started off, um, had my own, well, with others. It wasn't just me, but, you know, my own uh, small theatre company. But we were really essentially a double act, but... But not a not a um, pure joke double act. We we were that that very strange thing. We were kind of people who made very funny theatre shows, but we were essentially double act within that. And I, I worked with a guy called Hamish McCall for a long, long time, and um, made lots and lots of shows, and um, some of which indeed Armando came to see because that's it's we we weren't lying. We've known each other for about one hundred seventy three yeah. years. But um, uh, so yeah, so that, that I did that, and then. 
Uh, and then that sort of came to fruition. We had a huge hit um, in the West End with a show called The Play What I Wrote, which was really about Morecambe and Wise. And uh, so, so I was an a- actor, writer, really. And then I sort of, uh, I would say, drifted into directing. Somebody just asked me to direct something, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, that set me off on a, on a new course. And so I've, I've mainly been directing. I mean, you would say mainstream, but they're all comedies, um, you know, in the West End and and all points west. Even I mean, I was over in Dublin. I, I worked on Ender Walsh's brilliant play, The Walworth Fast, Landmark Productions. Oh yeah, with Clark. the Gleasons. With the, all the Gleasons, well, not quite all the Gleasons. Sorry, but um, Brendan Donald and Brian uh, were in it. Um, must have been 2015 at the Olympia Theatre. Uh, loved being over there. Clump of Gleasons. You know what? It's a talent of Gleasons, okay? And we, and we, we <laughs> talent, that yeah. A massive yeah. talent of Gleasons is the is the collective known there. Yeah. So, Sean, with a name like Sean Foley, are you Irishish in some way? Uh, to my eternal delight, I am a dual national. And um, uh, the day after this sad, in my view, I know there are people who have other views, but at this sad Brexit vote, like me and Tens of thousands of others in the UK got on the phone to the Irish Embassy and said, well, what's my status? And they said, you know, do you have a parent born on the island of Ireland? And I said, yes, my father. And he said, well, you're Irish. And I said, great. Um, so I'm a, I'm a dual, dual citizen, okay. dual national. Is, so, yeah. It, that's so you can go on European holidays more handily, is it? That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't your place in the Canaries when, when you need to without any hassle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Armando, what else are you up to? Did I see you're doing a show called The Franchise for HBO, taking the mickey out of superhero films. Is that still happening? That's happening as we speak. We've started shooting it. It's uh, a new show. It was devised uh, with the director, Sam Mendes, who had <laughs> he just come off the two James Bond films and was talking about what it's like working for an enormous studio franchise. And we alighted on, you know, Marvel was at its height, really, uh, at its world domination. Uh, and uh, we have this show called The Franchise, which every episode is like a day on set in the making of a superhero movie where people can people working on it are all very talented but wonder whether they are destroying cinema at the same time. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and wonder wh- and wondering whether the film that they are making has any worth or merit whatsoever, okay. given it's one of 20 being made that year. Based very much on you know, our research and, and experiences of what really goes on in that sort of set, set up. Yeah. Listen, um, I was reading a bit about you, Armando, and one thing that strikes me is that, you know, it's easy to get cynical these days and, you know, you can think a lot of comedians just taking the mickey out of everything. But you, you're not a cynic, are you? I was reading then that you nearly became a priest. Are you a kind of just a moralist who's just found a different way of preaching at people? Um, I mean, I wouldn't put too much store on my wanting to become a priest. I, as soon as I learned you had to take a vow of poverty, uh, obedience and chastity, I, I thought, <laughs> probably not for me. Okay. Um, although it hasn't stopped some, but um, I just want things to be good, really. So, you know, when we were doing things like the think of it, and, you know, politicians were saying, aren't you undermining policy? I'm saying, but these things happen, you know, that's the thing. And I, and I want them to be better. It's not, I'm not saying that anyone who goes into politics is um, corrupt, is incompetent. You know, I know a lot of people go into it because they want to make profound and positive change. 
uh, if anything, you know, we should be doing more to encourage people to, you know, to vote, to to support democracy, not to wander away for it, not to say, no, this is, you know, we we should be, but we mustn't take it for granted. That's the thing. We mustn't assume that since we're in a democracy, uh, there's no more work to be done. We have to keep uh, nourishing it and, and defending it and, and um, you know, encouraging the next generation to, 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 to participate. So it's about it's about trying to improve things, really, rather than thinking that everything is terrible. Yeah, so uh, I think you've answered the question. You are you are you are a, a, a kind of a, a moral person who wants things to be good. Listen, Armando, just just w- one other thing. I suppose that we've kind of avoided mentioning in a way is that the the greatest work, perhaps, for many people that you did with Steve Coogan was Partridge, and we mm. talked about what you did to politics and what you did to the media. But Partridge, in in many ways, maybe it's because of the business I'm in. In ways, it's the most powerful thing you ever did, isn't it? Because he hangs over still radio and television and showbiz like this awful spectre. <laughs> There's lots of people, especially people in broadcasting and, and, and in radio particularly, who say, I know someone like Alan Partridge. No one has ever said, I think I'm Alan Partridge, but they always know someone like Alan Partridge. I think it's because, I think obviously Steve, you know, inhabits him so well and performs him so well. And also we've we've kind of um, put him back in his box for four years and then taken him out again. So he's survived for these last 30 years by coming back every four or five years in a different... He sort of grows and evolves with time. So he's grown up as we've grown up. Yeah. Is, uh, is there more partridge to come? Oh, far more. I mean, so much more that, in fact, I've, I'm way behind because it's now... Steve now does Partridge with uh, the Gibbons brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, Ray, yeah. Who are younger than me and therefore have more energy and stamina. Um, so I, I have the great joy of being a kind of Partridge uh, fan. You know, I, I genuinely get to sit down and watch Alan Partridge not knowing what's going to happen next, which is good fun. Um, but it, yes, it's in good hands, but there'll be much more of him, I'm sure. OK, but for now, you're working with him on Dr. Strangelove. Sean, mm. I feel just before we finish that you should make a big pitch for this as, as a good night out, just in case people are still thinking, you know, I've turned off the news because it's too depressing. I'm not sure I want to go out and see the end of the world, but this is a thumping yeah, good night you know out in the, the Borgash Energy Theatre next February. That's the one, yeah. So wipe from your brain if you've been listening to this the idea <laughs> about the end of the world. Just put it into your brain. It's gonna. It's starring uh, Steve Coogan and a whole bunch of other brilliant comic actors, by the way, as well. It's going to be brilliantly funny. We had a little workshop on the script as we've got it at the moment um, a week or so back. And what you mentioned earlier, the sort of risk and the kind of terror, actually, that you were, you might take something brilliant and turn it into mush, didn't turn out that way. It was it, we we were delighted. People were people were laughing as they were reading it out. It was like you know, it's going to be a very very funny night out at the theatre. And it has a sing-along. There will be a sing-along at some stage. Yeah. Wow, you saved that to last. You should see. Listen, the next interview you do, go straight in with sing-along at the top would be my recommendation. Okay, listen, thank you so much, Sean Foley and Armando Iannucci and Dr. Strangelove comes to the Borgash Energy Theatre next February. That's 2025. Tickets go on sale next Friday, the 8th of March, 2023. And there will be a sing-along. Thanks for joining me, Armando and Sean. Thanks. 
Email brendan at rte.ie.